Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, Evil Knievel from 1974. I drove all three. Comparison proves it's Chevrolet for me. And here's a man who should know. I'm Joey Chitwood. I'm the boss of this outfit, so be my guest. Join the crowd that's come to take in the exciting thrill-a-minute show that my boys and I put on. Popcorn, peanuts, and red hots for the customer, and a real hot car for the drivers. That's from a 1956 Chevrolet promo film that focuses on the Joey Chitwood Thrill Show, an exhibition show that featured auto stunt driving. Race car driver and businessman Joey Chitwood toured the show around North America for over 40 years. In 1946, the show came to Butte, Montana, where an eight-year-old Robert Craig Knievel was in attendance, and it changed his life. When Robert was just a sophomore, he dropped out of high school. He got a job in the copper mines. Once he was married, he spent years doing various jobs trying to find a good way to make money for his family. One of these jobs was particularly high risk, robbing a bank. Here's Knievel from Evil Knievel, The True Story. I operated with guys that uh, were on heroin. I was never on drugs. And to get along with them under pressure was real tough. I mean, one of them might shoot you. And the pressure got on us so bad that I really had a nervous breakdown. I remember I threw all of the uh, burglar tools and everything in the Sacramento River. And I just vowed right then that I would never steal another dime or rob another place, and I never did. Ever, ever have stolen anything, and I'll take a lie detector test for that. All right. Did someone accuse you? Moving on. Eventually, he joined the motocross circuit and had a little bit of success. But it still wasn't a way to make enough money for his family. He broke his collarbone and shoulder in an accident in 1962. Doctors told him he couldn't race for six months. During this downtime, he worked as an insurance salesman to make money. The company refused to promote him after only a few months on the job, so he quit. He moved his family to Washington State and opened up a motorcycle dealership and promoted motocross racing. In 1965, he promoted an event of his own. He was even the MC. In front of a small crowd, he jumped a 20-foot-long box full of rattlesnakes and two mountain lions. His back wheel hit the box, but he still managed to land safely. But he soon realized that in order to make money, he would need to hire more stuntmen and other personnel. Here he is again from Evil Knievel, The True Story. I uh, put together a stunt show uh, called uh, Bob Knievel and his motorcycle daredevils, Hollywood, California. And... My sponsor said, the nickname you have at the racetracks is Evil Knievel. Why don't you use it? It'd be a better name. So anyway, I did. I wasn't too thrilled with it. I was ashamed of being called Evil. He was concerned of being thought of as a hell's angel with the name Evil. So he changed the spelling, making it E-V-E-L. In 1966, Evil Knievel's Daredevil Thrill Show launched. And the show attracted crowds. Bigger every time. And he quickly realized he didn't need the show anymore he was becoming enough of an attraction on his own. And with that, his jumps needed to be bigger. In March of 1967, 
He got some real national exposure for the first time when he appeared on ABC's Wide World of Sports. This is Evil Knievel, and uh, his specialty in sports is to take a motorcycle up over a ramp and leap through the air some 90 feet. That's what he's going to try to do today, over 15 automobiles. Now, have you ever done 15 before, Evil? Bill, I never have. I uh, missed a jump up in the northwestern part of the United States over 13, and I was uh, hospitalized and laid up for nearly five months, and I sure hope that doesn't happen today. It didn't. He successfully jumped the 15 cars. It was a huge thrill for viewers and for Knievel himself. Now, with all of this attention, he had to take it up a notch or two. So his plan was to head to Las Vegas and jump the fountains at Caesar's Palace. The jump would go down on December 31st, 1967. But this one had a much uglier outcome. He came up short. His crash landing resulted in a concussion... He fractured a hip, wrist, and both ankles, plus a crushed femur and pelvis. He claims he was in a coma for 29 days, though others, including his wife, have claimed that's not true. But even all of those injuries couldn't stop Knievel. His next jump was only five months later. This time, he crashed and broke his leg and foot. But that wouldn't stop him either. He kept jumping. He kept making more money, and the crowds kept getting bigger. In early 1971, he set a new record by selling over 100,000 tickets for back-to-back performances in Houston at the Astrodome. One month later, he broke the world record jumping 19 cars at the Ontario Motor Speedway. But there were even more injuries to come, and it never stopped him. In fact, it drove him to do even bigger jumps and break more records. He wanted to jump the Grand Canyon, but he knew the U.S. government would never allow it. So in 1974, he set his sights elsewhere. The man behind me is named Evil Knievel. He's a motorcycle daredevil, openly defies death on occasion after occasion. On July 4th, he hopes to become the only man ever to leap across the Snake River Canyon in Idaho. But this wouldn't be an ordinary motorcycle jump. Knievel hired an aeronautical engineer to build him a rocket-powered bike to jump across the canyon. After an unsuccessful test launch, the decision was made to build something new that would take off and fly more like a rocket than a motorcycle. Knievel hired boxing promoter Bob Arum's company Top Rank Productions to have the jump shown on closed-circuit TV and broadcast to movie theaters. And the jump was heavily promoted. One way to promote this event would be through an album. So in 1974, Amherst Records released a self-titled album from Evil Knievel. He's probably the only man in history who's become very wealthy by trying to kill himself. The album doesn't waste any time pushing the Snake River Canyon jump. Here's a bit of the opening track titled Prologue. There's a sea of people, perhaps 200,000 of them. They're gathered along the jagged edge of an awesome chasm. It's close to a mile wide and almost as deep. In the center of it all is a man, dressed in white leather and strapped into a rocket-like machine that is poised on its launching ramp. A gleaming red, white, and blue missile aimed at the other side. That narrator is Jerry Fogle. The only other credit I could find for him was also a spoken word credit on an album called Elvin the Black Little Elf. Anyways... He mentions Knievel's white leather. Knievel was very much known for those white leather suits he wore for the jumps. It was a big part of being a showman to him. 
And the inspiration for those suits came from somewhere you might not expect. Here's Knievel speaking in Evil Knievel, Absolute Evil. Liberace was, I think, absolutely the greatest performer I'd ever seen in my life. Oh, he just captured you. And when they introduced him, here he come from the top of the ceiling, flying around on a, a cable hooked to him, all the way around the whole area. Oh, boy. And, and then he'd land on his seat and he had on these beautiful big mink and chinchilla coats and Liberace. What a great performer. Track two is titled Press Conference, and that's literally what it is. And it starts off with evil more or less repeating what we already had learned in the prologue. Uh, how far is it across the Snake River at the jumping point? It's uh, somewhere between a half a mile and three quarters of a mile. It's a big canyon. It's a long way across, a long way down. What kind of a vehicle are you going to use to, to go across that half, three quarters of, or a mile? The machine is uh, what I call a sky cycle. A sky cycle is not a motorcycle. I never did say I was going to jump it on a motorcycle. That was the fault and misinterpretation of the press. The press conference track goes on for over 21 minutes. And there are only six tracks on this whole record. And this record was gifted to me, by the way, from listener and friend Dave Lyons from the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. So thanks to him. Uh, as a reminder, if you have a record you would like to send me, it's certainly not expected, but a few of you have done it. So if you do want to, you can send it to Tony Thaxton, P.O. Box 9811, Glendale, California, 91206. But let's now close out side one with an actual song. Well, sort of. It's called Why. It's basically a poem spoken by Knievel. The music is credited to Carl Setti. This song is his only credit listed on Discogs.com. The poem is a response to the question that Knievel is most commonly asked. seems that everywhere in this world I go, no matter who or what I know, the people, they look, and most of them stare, and I wonder if they really care. You see this cane with his golden crown? Some of them smile, but most of them frown. I hear them laugh, and I see them cry. No matter what, they all ask why. We keep the music going with something completely different to start side two. The Ballad of Evil Knievel. But it's not Knievel singing. The vocals were sung by John Culleton Mahoney. Mahoney was an artist on Amherst Records at the time, the same label that released this album. And this song was even released as a single, with Y as the B-side. You can move a mountain, leap across a winding river. Once he's made his mind up, there's nothing he won't try. There's something deep inside him, lusting for the thrills that drive him. Yet he knows someday he's gonna have to face that canyon in the sky. That song's music was written by Dean Kay. These days, Kay is a music publishing executive, but he started off as a songwriter. Most notably, for a song that was a top ten hit for Frank Sinatra, That's Life. That's Life! That's Life! I tell you, 
I can't deny it. I thought of quitting, baby. The album's songs were recorded at Sound City Studios in Van Nuys, California. Though it was only a few years old at the time, Sound City would become a legendary recording studio where albums like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers' Damn the Torpedoes, Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction, and Nirvana's Nevermind were recorded. Over 100 albums that were recorded at Sound City have gone gold or platinum, but Evil Knievel was not one of those records. The album was engineered by Bill Drescher, who did a lot of work out of Sound City. He would later produce records as well, producing for artists like Barry Manilow, In Excess, and Rick Springfield's three times platinum album, Working Class Dog. Up next is another 20-minute track. This time, Evil Talks with the Kids. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Have you ever gone to jail? Have I ever gone to jail? Yeah, I sure have. You know why? I stole some hubcaps. Screwed around, did things I wasn't supposed to do. Thought I was smart. And if I didn't have such a good policeman in my hometown, and I did have some good policemen, some good sheriff's deputies, I'd have been in jail for a long, long time. That's because I was such a wise guy. The album closes with Evil Talks of the Future. Can Evil Talks of the Future, if he has one? After the canyon jump is over, I would like to retire for quite some time. I'd like not to have to live with that lump in my throat and that knot in my stomach like I have for eight solid years. Uh, I'm looking forward to the day that that machine drops down on the other side of that canyon. The Snake River Canyon jump finally happened on September 8, 1974. The sky cycle did make it all the way across the canyon, but winds caused it to drift back into the canyon, landing near the water on the same side that it had launched. Knievel somehow escaped with only a few minor injuries. But he didn't retire afterward. At least not for a few more years. 1977 would be his last major jump, and he didn't even make it past the rehearsal. He lost control of his bike and crashed into a cameraman. Knievel broke both of his arms and the cameraman's eye was injured. And by the way, the jump was supposed to be over a tank full of live sharks. It was the result of the popularity of Jaws. And later that year, the attempted jump was the inspiration for an episode of Happy Days in which the Fonz would attempt a jump over sharks while on water skis. And here the term, Jump the Shark, was coined. But let's close up this album. Neither the single nor the album charted. And being basically an advertisement for his Snake River Canyon jump, it didn't have much of a shelf life. It was never repressed or released on any other formats beyond vinyl. And it's not streaming anywhere, but you can find most of it on YouTube. The album's producer, Ron Kramer, would have a few more years of producing records ahead of him. Just one year later, he would produce an album for the star of CBS's action crime drama series, Kojak, Telly Savalas. But that is for another time. 
Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums, and I'm at Tony Faxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at bizarrealbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums. Bizarre Albums.